0: harlots of history contains explicit language overt sexual themes and
1: discussion of sensitive subjects listener discretion is advised welcome to harlots of history a show by women for everyone except children and pets including our own this show is created by our love of the shadier inventive and bold women men and non-binary humans that you cannot find in the history books we will be exploring and educating ourselves, and hopefully our listeners, on infamous
0: mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, and of course, harlots. We will delve into their pasts, sordid or honorable, discussing the
1: era that they happen to live in and the problems of the times. Be ready for some controversial figures. You may be surprised at how many harlots in history you end up loving or at least begrudgingly respect. So sit back, grab a fizzy drink some salty snacks, and have some fun
0: listening to Harlots of History, taking back the word harlot one episode at a time. Okay, welcome to Harlots of History. I'm Emily, and I'm a out-of-work bartender, and stay-at-home
1: bartender, and stay-at-home dog mom. (laughs) And more importantly, today is Emily's birthday. It is. It's her first official year in her 30s. No, like, last nope. year was in my 30s. That was introduction to your 30s. Okay. Now is a first official year. This is my quarantine birthday. <laughs> I think That's what's being is, spent in the closet. Yep. I think every birthday this year was quarantine birthday. <laughs> I think Wait, so. who are you? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought I didn't need an introduction. I'm Karen. You need an introduction every time. <laughs> I'm Karen Mia. I am a stay-at-home mom of three. Uh, I am becoming an avid hiker. I just spent my birthday money on like poles and a hiking backpack and Teva sandals, so I don't know who I am anymore. I think it's Teva. Ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't believe I didn't spend it on clothes cuz I am so vintage, you know. Yeah. But like I'm like a vintage fanatic and I'm you surprised are. that I didn't like spend it on like a new dress or something. I was like I'm going to use it for outdoor goods. Mhm. Yeah, well I mean We're old now. You know, we're in our like late 20s, early 30s. (laughs) I know. I can't identify with young 20 people anymore and I'm still in my 20s. I told Matt last night, I was like,
0: I'm at the age where I have to drink three soda waters for every glass of wine I have.
1: (laughs) Now we know like why those women did it when we were serving them. You know, like, do you remember how annoyed you'd get about those middle-aged women that would come in and be like, I want a soda water in a wine glass with a lemon and then also like three wines. And we just be yeah. like, why? We're just a wine spritzer now. If I just drink straight wine,
0: that's why I have my wine. And then I also have my, my water and I better need to get a soda water at some point because this, this rosé I'm drinking is too good to turn into a spritzer.
1: Right. And we all know the holy trinity. It is something alcoholic, water or orange juice, and coffee. Ooh, orange juice is too acidic. I think. Oh, I I that's my brunch trio. I love it. <laughs>
0: coffee. Yeah, coffee or matcha. Wake. Like, I, I think for me it's something like like a soda water, coffee, and then
1: wine. I, I, can, I also Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. There you go. Okay. I was gonna say I can some I realized as I got older, like I have a problem with orange juice. Like, I can't just drink, I have to drink the whole frickin' bottle. I can't stop drinking it. It's too acidic. I have acid reflux. I'm so old. (laughs) (laughs) I have something I have to tell you. What? 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 I
0: I realized this while I was heating up some fried chicken like half an hour ago. Harlots of History,
1: when it's an acronym, it spells ho. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that so much. I got really excited. Oh, and for all of you that don't know, my maiden name is Aho, which a lot of people pronounce Aho. So I really have a deep like understanding of Of hoes. Of hoes. (laughs) I was I'm still, and you know what? Even when I got married, and I know this is like controversial, but I did take my husband's last name because I'm kind of was done with the last name Aho. Mainly, that was the main reason. I was still like, I can't get rid of it completely. So it is now my middle name. Well, that works. And you didn't like your middle name anyway. No, sorry, Mom. I really hated it. Well, we, we love you, Anel. But you did name her oh. after your cat. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I know, I'm know i not judging. I think if I ever have, have, a, have a daughter, her name is going to be Sammy.
1: Or Salem. I really like the name Salem for a girl. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? Salem was on Zelda's. Nameless. Well, Zelda didn't use it, so no. Unless your next daughter. No, I'm saying that because that was like what, like really, like punk, twenty two year old Caramia wanted to name her daughter. That's more so what I was saying. Oh well, basic, (laughs) thirty one year old Emily wants to name her.
0: Actually, I, Matt and I spent all morning looking at Highland cows, at miniature Highland cows. So cute. Yeah, I think we're gonna get one when we like have house. Cause it turned into, I was like, I want two chickens and I don't care if you can't eat eggs. I want two really fluffy chickens. And then we started looking at fluffy Highland cows and I'm definitely going
1: to get two mini Highland cows, two chickens, and then some more dogs. That, I mean, and then I will be right next door because tomorrow I think my husband and I are going to purchase half a pig. The right side or the left side? I don't know. Or the front I kind of want the rear end, but no. <laughs> like, this pig is still alive, so it's going to have to be fed and stuff, but we're going to see everything that goes into it because we really want to raise some pigs. <laughs> you can only feed it on the right side or left side. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't. If it eats on the other side, then that's
1: that comes out of you their right they have to the other person has to pay for it oh i was like look at me when the time comes i'm gonna fall in love with this pig and nothing's gonna happen to it i don't think i could i mean i love bacon but i i don't think i could ever i loved a pig
0: i don't think i could ever kill it
1: i told you what my daughter said when we were reading charlotte's web right what so my six-year-old when we were reading charlotte's web uh Wilbur is a spring pig, which means he's going to be slaughtered in the fall. And the reason why Charlotte makes all those webs for him and all those words, right, is so that he will be seen as this amazing pig and won't get killed. Mm-hmm. So Zelda was like, yeah, mom, I really don't want Wilbur to get pil- uh, killed, but like bacon is just so good, mom. I like love bacon. So I don't want <laughs> Wilbur to get killed, but maybe some other pigs. Yeah. You're like Wilbur Wilbur would have been bad bacon. Oh oh my god. Bacon is really good. We can go through like three pounds a week in this house. I'm not joking. I don't let Matt eat any of my bacon. I always buy the bacon that like he can't eat that has sugar in it or something. Oh (laughs) like the really good deli the deli bacon. So good. It's half an inch thick coated with brown sugar. I don't don't like the thick stuff though, because I like to be crispy. I don't like crispy bacon. You don't like crispy bacon? I mean, I'll have it, but I prefer it to be like a little bit, like more. You know, I don't want it. I don't want my bacon burnt.
0: Oh yeah, I just like all bacon. I'm I'm an equal opportunist when it comes <laughs> to bacon. <laughs> okay. Uh, <sighs> well, that was so, an intro. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I I've been drinking Trulies in the sun all day. So, I yeah, floated my, down a river. I floated down the river and then we left because. We both started getting really freaked out because there's no one there. And then we've seen some, like, less than desirable people who live by the river, you know, in tents. And not saying that anyone who lives in a tent is bad, but there are a lot of drugs and stuff down there. So we both started getting freaked out. So we left, like, after an hour and then just went to our pool. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So
1: today we are talking about Judith Exner. Oh my gosh, I'm so so excited for this one because I know I know nothing about her really unless what I told to you when you Yeah, I it. was gonna say you were the one who suggested this to me. So you don't know,
0: you just know a little bit about her. Yeah. You and know, I, like the basics.
1: Well, also I just like our culture is so obsessed with like Marilyn Monroe and JFK. And I was like, We all know JFK is a womanizer. We all know. I know. And yeah. we all know that Jackie O is a shiny beacon of light. So we want to know what other women were in his life, right? Yes, we do. And I'm going to get into it. Marilyn Monroe, we have to do it at some point.
0: Because there is a conspiracy theory about her death that I didn't know. What? And I know. And we'll, we'll talk briefly about it. But it's it's crazy. And there's like, I got into this a little bit. But there's so much conspiracy that goes into this. And I could have fallen down a rabbit hole and never climb back out. (laughs) You love a good conspiracy. I love a good conspiracy. Um, So yeah, you just know the basics and real quickly. Okay. So for those who don't know, I'll get into it, but Judith Exner was Kennedy's mistress, but I need you to go look at the pictures and look at the picture that says Jackie O and then look at the picture that says Judith Exner and I went back and forth between the two making sure that they weren't the same person
1: I know that's exactly what I thought they look so much alike they do except like honestly like Judith Exner looks more mommy yeah and I'm saying that as a mom so I'm not saying that that's a bad thing she just looks more like she doesn't look like uh, you know how Jackie O's got like that, she's beautiful, but she's got like that real like socialite, which might mean like slight and but like <laughs> <laughs> Judith, Judith Exner looks like a regular person in a really good way. Like she's beautiful. She does. She is. Okay. So before I get into
0: it, so my sources were a Guardian article from 1999 by Jeffrey Hodgson, a Politico article by Thomas Meyer, Mayer, a Vandy Fair article by jerry hershey and this was the most helpful and where i got most of my information and then a Vandy fair article by liz smith and that's actually where i got most of my quotes from uh, judith so, yeah. and then wikipedia nope. i
1: was gonna say no wikipedia <laughs> oh my gosh you're branching out <laughs>
0: <laughs> a little bit of wikipedia but honestly those two Vandy fair articles are where most of this stuff came from all right i'm so excited i'm to so tell excited you okay judith eileen katherine inmore was born on January 11th, 1934 in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Her mother was Irish Catholic and her father was a German architect who had inherited a small fortune from his father, which he invested frequently and atrociously.
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he had they had money, but I think her dad it was kind of always up and down because he was kind of making bad investments. She was the fourth of five children. The family moved from New Jersey to a 24-room villa in the Pacific Palisades in L.A. Why? I know. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Because they could, I guess. She was homeschooled after the age of 14, after her mother had a near-fatal accident. She always felt that she needed special attention. She had doctors, private tutors, special care, which was complicated by the constant ups and downs of their financial situation and her father's bad investments. She always felt guilty for requiring extra attention and felt lonely in the large house, scared of the many shadowy rooms, which I would be too.
1: Wait, so Judith Exner needed special attention because she was in a car accident? No, her mother was oh, in a her car. Accident. And so her
0: mother felt guilty for needing all the attention? No, Judith did. The mother thing was just, just like, an, a, extra an extra tidbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was homeschooled. She needed a lot of, like, Why? I think she had health problems. I mean, they said that she had like a nervous disposition, so I think she just, oh. which
1: is like someone's having anxiety. Yeah, I just yeah. I hate I hate when people say that. I hate, I do too. She was in hysterics. Too. No, oh. dude, she was, sorry, you agree. She had depression
0: or she just had an emotion. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the mental health at this time, and I think, I think I, I do actually have some rants in here that we'll get to, so hey. <laughs> I, always, I always have to keep a rant in there. All right, so yeah, there's there's just tons of rooms in there, and she just she wasn't really into that big. She always felt just kind of spooked out by them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what is L.A. if not a giant mansion filled with shadowy rooms, a city meant to pick off the weak and thin out the herds? Mm-hmm. When she was sixteen, she met Robert Campbell. So basically, for most of the story, her name is Judith Campbell. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, she doesn't become Judith Exner until like 1975, I think. So. She met Robert Campbell, a 27-year-old bad boy actor with a drinking problem and an aversion to monogamy. They got married when she was 18, young, naive, and full of that hopeful optimism about men and relationships that only comes when you haven't experienced men or relationships.
1: (laughs) All too true. I'm crying tears of, like, knowledge over here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We're basically encyclopedias. (laughs) <laughs> the marriage was not as idyllic as she expected and his constant drinking and cheating led to a divorce after six years and she drew the conclusion that no men could ever be faithful to her mm-hmm. which at
1: this time was very it seems like true. I mean like 70s 80s like I'm yeah. talking about this in my next episode but yeah like it seems I mean it was a very confusing time like for the nuclear family and for what well, this mean, is, this that is I, in the 30s Oh, it was in the 30s. She was, well, 50s now, but she was yeah. born in the 30s. But yeah, so 50s. Yeah, which, uh, oh, I just 50s, like. 50s, 60s. And just like, you can go on and on about the whole like Madonna whore trope, which mm-hmm. is going to come up again and again and again, but it's like, the wife's a Madonna, this, like the, you know, your mistress is the whore and you can't mix <laughs> up, you know what I mean? Let's make a sweatshirt that on the front says Madonna, on the back it says whore. I would wear that and would flip them back and forth all the time, depending on my mood. I'd just jump around. I would always, I would wake up as a Madonna and go to bed as a whore. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh,
0: I think we all would. Okay. So she drew the conclusion that no men could be faithful. And then this, as she states in the Vanity Fair article with Jerry Hershey, is what led her down the path of boyfriends that included womanizing Frank Sinatra, married and philandering john f kennedy and the pasta making head of the chicago outfit sam giancana who was actually my favorite in this story even that is like,
1: like a resume if i've ever heard one yeah and in this article by jerry Hershey,
0: she's like judith exner talks about she's like i've made four mistakes in my life so she refers to all these men as like mistake number one mistake number two and i'm like oh, i'm gonna start, I doing, it. It. I'm gonna start <laughs>
1: doing this. i'm gonna start doing this
0: uh, I'm gonna start labeling all my ex-boyfriends as mistakes. I mean we talk about I'm gonna about label them.
1: I'm gonna label my kids as mommy's little mistakes. I'm just <laughs> kidding, I would never do that. I love my children. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um so
0: these men who were all frantically waving large red flags <laughs> seem safe to her because if there's no chance of commitment from the beginning, then she could save herself from getting hurt, which you know
1: makes sense. Mm-hmm. Can I really quickly tell you this really funny thing? And I meant to send it to you about red flags. Yeah. It's like this woman instead, it's like this comic. And instead of like receiving a bouquet of red roses, <laughs> the her a bouquet of red flags. And she's like, Oh, thank you. I love it. <laughs> and it was just like, We've all been there and received that bouquet of red flags. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Thank (laughs) you.
0: My last relationship was literally giving me bouquets of red flags like every morning.
1: Uh, It was a Kanye West (laughs) bouquet of red flags wall.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Woke up in the morning with a wall of red flags. It's like,
1: you made those for me? (laughs) Okay. Okay. So we we digress. (laughs) We will a lot. Um, so
0: Robert and Judith, who kept her last name of Campbell, divorced in 1958. And in 1959, she met Frank Sinatra, the pinstripe member of the Rat Pack, who loved whiskey, women, and well-dressed friends. And I couldn't think of the third W. So, do you have a better
1: one than well-dressed friends? <laughs> I was whiskey thinking- women. I don't. I have no. You know, that's good. Also, how old was she in 59? Now. Um. So she was born in thirty four. So twenty five. Oh, so she's, she's still really young. Like young, young. Okay. And
0: imagine like how old was Frank Sinatra? I know can, um. I think he was. Well, I can look it up real quick. But imagine that you know. I know that you know this really well. You're sixteen. You get married, and you have like a really serious relationship with like a guy who's older and cheating on you a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the next relationship is
1: Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Like, what? Okay, he was born in 1915, so he was 20, 20 years older than her. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, that, I mean, that's pretty considerable, like, at 25 yeah. to 45. I mean, not bad. Like, not horrible, but, like, also, if he's been in the limelight, he's experienced so much more than her. So, like, raised at 20. Yeah.
0: Oh, and, and he- John F. Kennedy was two years younger than Sinatra. I actually didn't look up when he was born. So, he was born in 1917. So, he was 17 years older than her. Than her, Yeah. Or nineteen, okay. 18. yeah, okay, 17, cool. Seventeen thirty-four, right? Yeah, seventeen.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Okay, so she had seen him around at parties. She stood out in L.A. Outfitted with her inheritance and alimony, she was independently rich in a town where where good I
1: teeth and a be nice outfitted with an inheritance and alimony. That sounds amazing. I know. I'm sorry. That just made me smile. <laughs> <laughs> so she was independently rich in a town where
0: good teeth and a nice apartment meant that some Hollywood producer was paying her bills and sleeping in her bed. She wasn't like the other women in Hollywood, many of whom were bright eyed blondes with red lipsticks and skirts that flew up any time they stepped onto a heating vent. Uh-huh. <laughs> Judith had dark hair, preferred smart suits to dresses, and I looked up smart suits and they're really cute. They're, they're really like cute. it's like yeah, well, you know what they are. Yeah. It's like your preferred outfit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. And she kept her makeup natural, if at all. In her Vanity Fair article, Liz Strong relays Judith's musings on the matter. So this is a quote from Judith. Men with incredible power don't know what it is to have a young, attractive woman around them who doesn't want something from them. I came from a good family. I like them to think I was a lady. Frank once said to me, you know, you are really stupid. Thanks. You never walk through any doors that are open to you. Look at all the opportunities you have. And that's, yeah. God damn it. Don't call anyone stupid, Frank Sinatra. Okay. So when she met, frank sinatra at puccini's she was 25 and she describes them as having a jekyll and hyde personality silver-tongued one minute and screaming at her the next
1: and of course of course they met at an italian restaurant of right Up yeah there. that's like i feel like that's that's where any- the pack lived like yeah martin yeah yeah
0: if i had a pack though i would live at a like Place where I could eat pasta and drink wine all the time Emily too. I Rat Pack would live at Olive Garden. Olive Garden <laughs> for the breadsticks. <laughs> I think I would live at uh, the Spaghetti Factory, right? There, yeah, their stuff is so good. I, why I, I used to work there. When I stopped working there, I lost ten pounds like the first week.
1: You know what? I say when I worked at Panera Bread for last years of high school it was it paid it gave me clothes it paid for my clothes um <laughs> but when i stopped working there yeah i instantly like it, when you're not eating cinnamon crunch bagels and like drinking mountain dew all the time you lose a lot of weight sounds so good <laughs> right i got i got some um garlic bread today and i have some
0: at i got the $1 garlic bread at walmart <laughs> that's my birthday <laughs>
1: <laughs> for shame for shame well
0: my mom asked me last night she made me so much food when we were leaving she like packed she was like here take some cheesecake clums. She' she's like Do you want some french bread and I was so full I was like I can't think about food and I woke up this morning and was like why didn't I take the french bread well seriously and like all it's so much better to make your own I know or buy one dollar from true Walmart and then I toasted it with butter on the stove so it was like Texas toast oh that sounds so good I'm going I'm to get that when we're on our break. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So he was Jekyll and Hyde. And I just a disclaimer for every episode I'm not a psychologist. So I don't know. Like, I most of the stuff I say, I'm just speculating. But I read a thing on him. I think he might have been bipolar because he had a quote where he was like, he's like, I'm really prone to being extremely ecstatic and extremely angry. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those, you know, and again, I'm just speculating, but he was really like, Jekyll and Hyde and he was like he would get really angry and scream and that like that being really
1: ecstatic and being that just sounds to me like he could I mean and also like right now it's it's sad but at the same time you know you always have to find the bright side in things like with Kanye West I mean mean, it was Kim who came out because of all his erratic behavior but Kanye West is being confirmed as bipolar it's giving like a lot of people who probably wouldn't have taken the time to know mm-hmm. and really research about bipolar. And I, for listeners, um, when I was younger, I was actually diagnosed as type two bipolar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, obviously yeah. it's very different than bipolar, but you know, in the same family. Mm-hmm. So their relationship didn't last much longer
0: after the night he showed up with another woman for a surprise threesome. And after oh my gosh. Ended, I know, can you imagine you're like, in bed and your PJs, you're like going to sleep.
1: <laughs> your boyfriend shows up and he's like, "Hey, look who I brought!" And you're like, "What the fuck, right? And she just <laughs> thinks of like alcohol and smoke and yeah. And you're like, have your eye mask on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I would not be into it. So yeah, that didn't that didn't last. So she formed a steadfast friendship with Sinatra's friend Sam Flood. A man 20 years her senior who, when he wasn't cooking her pasta and sending her flowers, was operating under his birth name, Sam Giancana, and running the Chicago Outfit, formerly headed by Al Capone. What? I read in, like, one article, one sentence where he said he cooked her pasta, and I just can't let it go because I think it's such, it's-, so it's so cute. He's He's, okay, I know he's, like, a mafia leader, but he's honestly the nicest to her. He's so sweet and they're, we're going to get to a point but where you're going to cry. Mafia leaders can't
1: be nice, right? No, they can be nice. Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, they can be. And nice. also, he, also, I married a sous chef. A oh, man, did you marry a mafia leader? No, a man who can cook is by far the most like sexiest quality as far as I'm concerned. I know.
0: My boyfriend can't cook, but he can do push-ups while like doing a hand. Dude, train. I saw
1: that. That was incredible. <laughs> I was like, I want to try that. I face plant. <laughs> i he was I'm laughing at We're we're too boob heavy no well, I, i'm I, not I, you I, are i'm too boob heavy
0: i'm not i could do it um i was gonna say something oh the if you go look on the pictures there's a picture of sam and he's like the guy with glasses. i saw he's he's so cute yeah he's cute he's not like if you like compare him of course to frank sinatra john F. Kennedy, and then this other guy who she didn't have an affair with, but Johnny Roselli was another character that was like their friend, but you know, he's more like they say homely. He's just, he's not like super hot, but that doesn't matter. You know, that doesn't matter in a relationship. And like, he was the, he was the nicest. And I would probably say that like, you know, all the other guys, Like, they had their looks. They relied on that, so they didn't have to be nice. Mm -hmm. He's so sweet. He's definitely my favorite. So, he was nice to her, and he became a comfortable confident that she had not found in a man before. He stayed by her side as a platonic friend for the next two years, which were spent being the mistress to JFK. All right, hold on. I have to wet my whistle.
1: (laughs) 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 I love that saying so much.
0: (laughs) Wouldn't it be funny if every time I did that, I just, like, pulled a whistle and was like... (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, <laughs> will we finally have sound
0: effects? <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll get there one day. So she was introduced to John and his brother Edward by Frank Sinatra in early 1960 while they were on the West Coast campaigning for John's presidency. Edward, his brother, took a liking to her and made a move, but John had beat him to the punch. And by the next month, they were spending days camped out at the plaza after he ditched his security detail, his wife, and the press. In Strong's Vanity Fair article, Judith remembers... As I sat there waiting for Jack at our first real rendezvous, rendezvous, that single bed just got bigger and bigger by the minute and more and more ominous. When he arrived, I was so guilt-ridden that at first I said no, I couldn't go through with it. He was very nice but disappointed and turned to go. I just touched his shoulder and said, Jack, and he turned back and that was it. (laughs) Don't let go, Jack. I couldn't resist him. You cannot believe his charm when he wanted to turn it on.
1: Yes, I can. He won the presidency yeah. with his charm. Yeah. He charmed yeah. a nation. We all know. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, I think that these I like these I love all
0: Vanity Fair articles and I think Vanity Fair can do no wrong. But I get so excited when I can find one and this one I found too. I had to search for this one that I actually found this morning and I found a ton of quotes from Judith and Liz Strong was this reporter who did several articles on her and she was like really in her court when most people weren't. Mm. And I just, I got really excited because the Vanity fair articles were so thorough. They had so much information when all the other articles were just kind of like telling it from, you know, someone else's perspective and not interviewing her. And yeah. it's, you get so much from her and it really makes you understand. She was 25. She was young. She, this guy was hot and he was powerful and she knew like she felt Guilty, but she was just like you know. Was there ever any pictures of them together? I don't think so. The only pictures that are in them together are like ones that have been not photoshopped, but it's like her, him, and then Sam together, like showing that they all three were connected. But they're not all. I mean, if you can find any, I didn't see any when I looked them up. Yeah, yeah. She wouldn't accept much from him except for a diamond and ruby Tiffany's brooch. Brooch is it brooch? Brooch. Brooch. Okay. It looks like brooch. (laughs) (laughs) But it's brooch. (laughs) It it brooch, okay. And money for a new fur coat, as she had her own money and didn't need much from him. Contrary to her image portrayed in the media, she wasn't hustling him. She was just a 26-year-old woman in love with a man that was about to become the leader of the free world. In 1997, Judith told Liz Strong, I was wrong to have an affair with a married man. I take responsibility for all of that. Being brought up Catholic, my middle name was guilt. It's there forever. I tried to rationalize it. Because I fell in love with Jack. Absolutely. He swept me off my feet. And I think we can all relate to that. What? You mean
1: power is sexy? <laughs> I mean, not <laughs> and also current president, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, you know, it's interesting to me because John F. Kennedy is like such, so well known as a Catholic president. And he was like, wasn't he our first Catholic president or at least our first well known? Like he broadcast it kind of. Actually, I actually have he, no idea. So he was, he was catholic. and oh he was and like that was like a huge deal cuz I, be- I I mean we can get corrected if I'm wrong but I think he was like the first one to really broadcast it he was catholic so I find it super interesting that even though he is committing a sin he found a catholic person to commit it with <laughs> <laughs> I saw this
0: article like after Liz Strong who's this the lady she was like a gossip columnist and she interviewed Exner a lot but after she died and Dandy Fair wrote an article about her and so she and she either came out as gay right before or like she just had it kept it private but it was known after she died and there was this quote by this like catholic guy and because she had called exner like catholic judith exner and he was like well i can't believe that a lesbian liz strong didn't call jewish monica lewinsky like she did catholic judith exner like basically being like whoa we shouldn't yeah it's but it's like yeah i don't know i i kind of pissed me off seeing that
1: yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah, she I I could see why she was saying using Catholic in that sense. Yes. That's a complicated matter, but yes, yeah. No, I do too. I don't think it was trying to put a label on her. It was Mm -mm. Yeah. So Judith finished, uh, visited Kenny at Kennedy at his Washington home when Jackie O was out of town, and before long, he was asking her to set up a meeting with her friend Sam, who just happened to also be the head of the Chicago Outfit branch of the Mafia, alleging, Sam could help me to win the election, take West Virginia, and sh- secure Chicago. Yes. She became yeah, <laughs> she became the go-between for them. It makes me so mad, but we'll just, ugh, we'll get to it. So, she became the go-between for them, setting up meetings, traveling between the two men, passing vanilla envelopes from one side of the country to the next i was 26 and in love judah says still is strong was i supposed to have better sense and more judgments than the president of the united states so My true <laughs> well,
1: right yeah, you're right let's, let's go after bill clinton not monica Lewinsky. yeah no yeah i have gone on more than one rant to matt today about
0: this right um once kennedy was president the meetings continued and she believed that they were centered on a cia conspiracy to work with the mafia to kill fidel castro
1: which I didn't know anything about. We're going to get into it, but there's that, so this, much. This, this is actually the reason why I picked her in the first place, the minute I saw this. So I, yeah. I, I read really briefly about it, but I don't know much. I actually had no idea. I mean, yeah, it's so interesting.
0: So Judith even describes sitting on the edge of a bathtub in the hotel room while Kennedy and Giancana chatted in the next room about how to kill Castro. Jerry Hershey and her expose for Vanity Fair rates that Judith has been portrayed as the quote-unquote bad woman of Camelot. The woman who made America question everything they thought they knew about the perfect fantastical myth of the Kennedy White House. The Camelot reference, which was new to me, comes from an interview with Jackie O after JFK was shot, where she referenced this line from it was from a play. Don't let it be forgot that once there was a spot for one brief shining moment that was known as Camelot. And she was basically saying,
1: like, there'll never be another presidency like this. It was so idyllic. This was a perfect president. It definitely was the most fashionable. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Jackie O is like Mm -hmm. an incredible trendsetter. No, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Except for the Obamas. Oh, Michelle Obama. I know. We love you. Run for president. Oh, you are Um, the best. She was the best dressed. Her arms. Her Her arms were amazing. She had the most
0: amazing arms. She's so I love her. So, and thus the mythical kingdom became synonymous with the idealistic picture of the White House that has remained painted in our minds for years. Well, in the 70s, that paint started to chip when the church committee convened to investigate the plot between the CIA, the Kennedy administration, and the assassination attempts on Fidel Castro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. I know. All right, let's get that, show. What? You me? mean that he was, like, doing this crap before Richard Nixon? <laughs> yeah, what? I know.
0: <laughs> I know, and we don't think about it. So in 2018, sealed Kennedy documents were released that cracked the conspiracy theories wide open, shattering what was left of the idealistic image of the Kennedy White House. This assassination plot went deep, and co-conspirators included CIA spies, handlers, former cops, double agents, and top mafia dons. I know. What? It's so juicy. Despite the fact that top Operatives of the CIA were working closely with top mafia dons, whose resumes included pages of murder for hire gigs. These plots failed miserably over and over again. The schemes were outlandish and included explosions, boat rates and hidden poison. <laughs> According to Vandy Fair, some of the schemes include poison cigars and exploding seashells. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if oh that was God. real
1: or if <laughs> she was like being facetious, but I'm going to assume that that was real. I, I that's how, you know, sometimes when you read something, it just sounds too crazy. It's probably real. Like I'm I think so, it's real. I'm honestly like I was kind of rooting for like an exploding blimp or something. You know how like that's always like the trope. Like that's like the yeah. I I'm pretty sure it, I think it was real.
0: <laughs> the The CIA report had stamped across it in blaring red letters: "Secret Eyes Only." Which, like, if I saw that, I'd be like, "I have to." How would that like stop anyone from reading it? <laughs> You're like, I'm going to take this to the bathroom. <laughs> and detailed the gritty and almost sometimes laughably terrible accounts of the attempted Castro assassination. The report detailed that it was a sensitive mission requiring gangster style action. So the CIA who was fine with murder for hire, but not actual murder that could be tied to government operatives turned to Sam Mooney Giancana and his associate Johnny handsome, John Roselli, another member of the Chicago outfit who played in the casino halls of Vegas and in the underbellies of Hollywood. The CIA allegedly offered them 150 thousand to do their dirty work. They had used the mafia because they didn't want to get their hands dirty. Sam and Johnny apparently turned it down, saying they would do it for free. Which I'm no.
1: like, why would just because take the money? A, a favor oh. is worth a ton more than money. You're right. A favor That's is actually, worth a lot
0: more. Yes, you're right. And that is actually was in the uh, was in the article that they thought that like if they got in trouble later, that the mafia would or the CIA would owe them. Mm-hmm. that's that's a really good point but they also wanted castro out because he had shut down the mafia casinos in havana which caused the mafia oh. to take a huge financial hit and then mm-hmm. they didn't have the money laundering and as we know from watching ozark that or i don't know if you watch ozark it's no good if you don't but i, I you know don't the premise i know we should casinos are really great for money laundering because there's so much cash all the time um so the cia met with the two mobsters in swanky hotel rooms in vegas and made cross-country calls while they lounged by the pool in Hollywood they were even discovered to have illegally wiretapped the room of a man who was getting a little too close for comfort to Giancana's girlfriend so he was like oh god like this guy I think is trying to take steal my girlfriend like hey CIA can you wiretap this room and they're like yeah sure no problem <laughs> <laughs> and the oh FBI god. found it. I think like I think Robert Kennedy there was something he was like hey you guys need to get out of the cloak and dagger business he was like annoyed but they had some reason for it Like, wiretapping was so big back then.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, come on. It's like, what is it? The, uh, what's it called? The Cold War. Mm. And that's when, like, the whole McCarthy trials and the Red Scare, they were just, like, wiretapping, like, crazy. That was, like, the birth of, like, pretty much, like, the birth of the FBI as we know it was, like, just shortly before the 70s. I just think of, like, Veronica Mars sneaking around and, like, bugging people. Right. (laughs) I think I need to... We just so we just need like a ton of Veronica Mars around this country. <laughs> I, I know. The whole world would be better. The missions failed terribly over and
0: over again, in part because Castor had a large network of double agents stationed in Miami who could constantly thwart the plans, and partly because they more closely resembled the haphazard plans of teenagers trying to get revenge on someone who had stolen their lunch money than top secret than top secret mission of government spies. <laughs> Roselli himself was constantly accompanying the men on the mission and constantly Almost dying, <laughs> jumping from bullet-riddled speedboats and dodging Cuban fire on the shore. When the mission eventually <laughs> I'm sorry, this is so ridiculous. When the mission eventually disbanded, everybody went their separate ways. Giancana ran floating casinos on the water in the Caribbean. And Roselli moved back to the comforts of
1: Vegas. <laughs> he started running a highly intelligent card counting scam. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is so stupid. <laughs> what your <is> his- <laughs> you Oh my god, you're laughing so hard! I gotta know what it is. It's probably not that funny, but he, he put a hole in the ceiling, and had a guy he had a guy peeking down at it at the card, <laughs> and like telling him what the card was. Yes. That is not intelligent. I'm sorry. But- <laughs> that <laughs> sounds scary. like that sounds like kid stuff. <laughs> I know, I know, and and they got caught. Surprisingly, of <laughs> there's a guy with his eye to the floor. Is <laughs> a ceiling? Oh yeah, the floor upstairs. <laughs> yeah. I'm crying. Okay. That is really funny. (laughs) That's so funny. That's so ridiculous. I know. (laughs) These were the findings that were released in the 2018 report. But
0: long before that, the Church Committee convened in 1975 to investigate the CIA's involvement in this plot. And even before that, the federal government was relentlessly surveilling Judith. The FBI rented apartments next to hers to keep an eye on her and hidden alleyways and took detailed notes on shopping trips she went on with her mother. Ugh. I know. Surprisingly, the FBI claims they didn't know anything of the relationship with JFK, and that was in the 2018 reports, but they definitely did. The There's no way
1: that they wouldn't know. They knew because uh, J.
0: Edgar Hoover knew. Yeah. So the surveillance and harassment by the federal government continued to escalate, and JFK kind of turned a blind eye to her Although he was also telling her, like, I can protect you, but he wasn't really doing anything else about it. Uh, He was even told by his sworn enemy, J. Edgar Hoover, that the FBI was surveilling her because of her ties to Sam Giancana and Johnny and Johnny Rose of Rose Video. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So, <laughs> I was just like oh really <laughs> no I'm <just> kidding <laughs> yeah.
0: um, so the FBI obviously knew something okay I need a sip of wine for this okay, so okay we have to talk about J. Edward, Edgar Hoover really quickly I didn't get too into it because I didn't want to jump too far down a rabbit hole but I just wanted to highlight I didn't know that he how much of a monster he was oh he's, I,
1: horrible.
0: he's horrible and I just i I needed to talk about some of the stuff
1: I did a really brief synopsis of like he founded he, he, he founded Contelpro. What's Contelpro? Cointel. Oh, how does it? Contel. Yeah, it's it's just the agency that was used by the FBI, CIA to um, investigate. First, it was into communists, but then they used it to pretty much like black revolutionaries or even activists. They infiltrate activists. Yes, mm-hmm. like but specifically it was like you know black activists and it was how they went in and like he single-handedly destroyed the Black Panthers. He single- Yeah.
0: And I literally, I just didn't know this. And I, I don't know who else doesn't know this, or if everyone knows this, but I just, I highlighted three things that were like, I only looked at the civil rights movement section on his Wikipedia page and yeah. I came up with a whole paragraph of terrible things. So I'm just I just they Please. need to be talked about yeah, really yeah, yeah. because there's an FBI building named after him and the FBI headquarters. He's won no- multiple national medals of honor and he was awarded an honorary knighthood in England. I know. So he loved illegal wiretapping, among other things. And some of his more atrocious activities include spreading rumors that Martin Luther King Jr. was having sex parties in D.C. instead of marching mm-hmm. and directing the FBI to send an anonymous letter encouraging him to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Yep. He also spread a rumor that Viola Liozzo, a white civil rights activist who was murdered by the KKK because she had a black man in her passenger seat, was a communist who'd abandoned her children to have sex with black men. Oh, my God. And- I know. And he also blocked and sealed investigations into the KKK bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church and let the men responsible walk free, even though the evidence against them was damning and more than enough to convict them. So, yeah. And he's he like blocked and sealed these records and didn't do anything. So he's terrible. Uh, FBI should change the name of the headquarters. I am 100 percent behind you. Yeah. To the Emily, Emily building. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I uh, <laughs> um no, not to the Emily. I, Emily I don't just Someone wants her name the on something. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna carve it into the walls of my apartment. So Hoover confronted Kennedy and even kept a memo that detailed Kennedy's affairs that was discovered later and used to back up the evidence of Kennedy and Judith Campbell's affair. Jerry Hershey writes at this meet at this meeting quote the president is livid at being told to keep his pinstripes straight zipped and his phones clean. <laughs> Which I I included that because like I. I love, I I love the writing in Vanity Fair, but I just like, I really, some of the quotes are just too good, right? Hoover knew everything about the relationship, and he lorded it over Kennedy's head to prove that he had control, and then leaked the information to a journalist who published the headline, Judy Campbell of Palm Springs and Bev Hills is topic number one in romantic political circles. JFK phoned Judith and told her to call from her mother since the phones were tapped, but pretty soon their relationship dissolved on its own. Mm -hmm. Kennedy wanted her to move to Washington, go to state dinners, accompany him on Air Force One. And she obviously refused, telling him she couldn't go to functions with him and be there with him and his wife. And I think he really liked the like danger of it being like, you know, you're in public eye and it's yeah, he's like lived for the thrill. He turned really possessive and jealous. And he was always trying to bring her closer, warning her against getting too close to Sam, who was like her best friend and was you know he was like her emotional fluffer. Remember that term I coined? Yep yeah you didn't coin it well no i didn't coin it but it was in some show new girl oh was it yeah yeah well i i i really carried her (laughs) i really took her to yeah it was like her emotional fluffer Mm -hmm. sorry new girl i didn't mean to steal that from you (laughs) (laughs) so yeah sam was her emotional fluffer and her relationship with jk crumbled in 1962 and she ended it, but she, he's like begged her to come back and see him. So she went and met him in hotel one more time and she got pregnant. And she didn't come out with a story until 1998. She, and she, throughout her story, she's been, she's told lies, like her book. She even claimed, she's like, my book was mostly lies. But I don't really blame her considering like she was really worried for her life, like a and lot. Her child's life. If it, yeah. I, I don't well, know.
1: Yeah, tell me. I don't well,
0: know. If, yeah, we'll we'll get into it.
1: So she found
0: out she was pregnant and like she literally told it in this article a couple months before she died. She had terminal cancer. So this is in sixty-two. She did she died in ninety-nine, but this article came out in ninety-eight. So she went back to see him, she found out she got pregnant. She called him. He was like, What do you want to do? Like, do you wanna keep it? If you wanna keep it, it's okay and I mean abortions were obviously illegal at this point she was kind of like I can't because of who you are there's no way the FBI is surveilling me there's no way and he was he even you know with every woman west of the Potomac or east of the yeah. Potomac, but she hadn't slept with anyone else at all for their entire two and a half year relationship. Wow. Yeah. So she knew it was his. So she basically was like, no, I, I can't have it. So he, he said, why don't you, why don't you ask Sam? Why don't you ask Sam to set it up for you? Because he's in the mafia. So <laughs> Judith, it was, she was really meticulous and kept records and she has them from that day too. She has the hospitals, the doctors and she, okay. So Sam, she told Sam they like went out to dinner, and he was like, "Damn it, Kennedy!" You know, he was like, "He, he I think he hated Kennedy because he wasn't very good to her." And then well, he was using it. In a, yeah, he was using her. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely was using her. And then Sam, and this part like made me cry this morning. So he like looked her in the eye, and he was like, "Will you marry me?" Because Sam also told her, he was like, you can keep the baby. And Judas said, Sam, you don't want to marry me. So another quote from this article. Sam, you don't want to marry me. I was just overwhelmed. And then Sam topped himself and said, yes, maybe, but you deserve to be asked.
1: Oh, I know. And so they like... We all need a friend like Sam. I know. And she just
0: like, obviously, she hadn't had anyone that had done that. So in her book, she claims to have had an affair with him. But this is the book came out in the 70s. She was under tons of public scrutiny. And in the interview with Liz Strong in the late 90s, uh, before her death, she admits it was a lie. And obviously, like, all this stuff's coming out. She'd been terminally ill, I think, for 10 years. And so she started telling a lot more truths because she's kind of like... I'm dying. I don't really have anything to lose. left yeah. to lose. Yeah. So they were only intimate one time and it was that night and it was just like really comforting, you know, and he was there for her. Sam, regardless of what his relationship actually was to her, was her most steadfast friend during this time. He protected her from the FBI, made her laugh, sent her roses every day while the agents waited outside Aww. her door. I know every single day and not red flag roses, real roses. Oh. Uh-huh sneered and hissed at her, treating her just as, oh, so this is the mafia, or sorry, CIA, FBI, whoever was surveilling her, the feds. They're sneering and hissing at her, treating her as another mafia whore. Sam and Johnny Roselli had been her friends for years. Did you see that picture of Johnny Roselli I have on there? He's really cute. Is he the one in the checkered jacket? I think so. He's like the one that's not the older guy.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he's really cute. The unibrow guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's nice looking.
0: Yeah. The beer. So it's sandwich. a
1: mugshot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sam and Johnny have been her friends and they kept her company on nights when she was waiting on news from her sister who was going through her sixth miscarriage. This was her sister. I know. it's That's really sad. They would, you know, they took her out and like waited with her while she heard the news and like took her, you know, they were just really sweet. And they took her on FBI wild jo- goose ca- chases. That sounds really fun. I know. They, they stood steadfast beside her. She loved and lost the president and they were attentive to her like men in her life had not been. So she knew who they were, but they never did business around her. And if they did, they spoke in Italian. So she didn't really know exactly what was going on. That's nice. So she wasn't complicit. I like it. I really like them, even though Johnny did do that stupid hole in the floor. thing. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't bright. But when her relationship with Sam ended, she lost most of her immediate protection and she kind of had lost like she was losing friends at this point or not yet. But she, when Kennedy died, she like lost a lot of her friends because she was just so distraught. So she said that she like ran into Sam a little bit after this. So she had the abortion Sam picked her up from the hospital. And later, I don't think they really talked much after that, but she ran into Sinatra and he didn't say anything. And Sam, she said like he looked at her, but he didn't acknowledge her. But she said she felt like he was still protecting her at that point. You know, she came home one day to discover agents in her apartment. They showed up at a hospital after she had endometriosis she had a gynecological surgery and they accused her of having an abortion and that I think was in 1960 so that was even before she actually had an abortion so they were just so harassing they were That's they horrible and like, they like, it's, it's <sighs> it gets worse too and it's just yeah she had already suffered from anxiety before this and she began to be paranoid obviously Like, of course she fucking did. Yeah. She began to unravel, relying on Jack Daniels to put her to sleep and getting, quote-unquote, vitamin shots, which were actually amphetamines, which, as we're all aware, just would make your anxiety out of control. Yeah. In 1963, when Kennedy was assassinated—and there's actually a conspiracy theory that, like, Sam and the mafia had something to do with it, but I personally think it goes, like— higher i i think it goes higher up than sam it could have been the mafia but there's just there's a trail trail of bodies left and and i'll i'll mention it like in a couple of paragraphs but so she was just so distraught and she's you know she obviously still loved him they just like logistically couldn't be together
1: yeah and so well, also it was kind of like oh crap if they killed him i'm nothing compared to that was, yeah, yeah.
0: She was really, and we'll get into more of it too. One night, she went to dinner with a friend, an older divorcee who brought her home, and in the comfort of his arms, a martini in her hand, and Edith Piaf playing in the background, she got pregnant. And I feel like Edith Piaf is, that makes sense. She's a baby maker, right up there along with Keith. With Keith Sweat. When she found out in early 1965, she uh, contacted the man, but he never called her back. So it was Aww. this older guy. Yeah, and, uh, like, I think she told him and then he didn't call her, but she kind of like didn't pursue it because she was like, she felt like it was her responsibility, which, like at this point in the 60s, it kind of was put on the woman, not the man. She hid out her, at her parents' house. And at this point in 2020, it's still put on the woman, not yep. the man. Yep. She hid out at her parents' house away from prying eyes until. One day, she was five months pregnant. The FBI showed up at her mom's doorstep and started harassing her. And she was screaming at them to, like, tell them to go away. And she just, she broke. She snapped. She felt trapped. She couldn't bear to give up her son or her unborn child, but was a son. And she couldn't imagine the life that he would be subjected to as her child. So she felt like she didn't want to give him up. But also, like, if she gave birth to him, then, like, he would, it would be terrible. she sounds so, she went so up- sad. I know. It's, she went upstairs and she swallowed a whole bottle of t- two Noles. Two Noles. It a uh, discontinued drug that was popular starting in the 1940s. as a combination of two barbiturate salts, and they were used as sed- uh, sedative hypnotics or sleeping pills. So she took a whole bottle of sleeping pills. As she was starting to drift off, her sister called, and she knew something was wrong from her voice. So she got her help, and she was rushed to the hospital, and she and her son were, were saved. So she and her unborn child were both saved what? after this. I know. That is a sign. I know. And when she, she gave premature birth two months later. So when she was seven months pregnant. But at this point, she knew she had to give him up because she just she couldn't provide the life like the FBI was still on her. And That's so she I know and was so selfless. And he was adopted by two loving Jewish parents. She requested that he be adopted to a Jewish family because she thought that faith provided a really like a really good familiar life. Familial life. Familial, yep. Yeah, so he was adopted by two loving Jewish parents who were in L.A., and they had good money, and he had a really good life. Good to know. Yeah, and we will return to him. Okay. In 1975, Judith was subpoenaed by the Church Committee to testify about the plot between the Kennedy administration and the mafia to kill Castro, along with Giancana and Roselli. Shortly before he was set to testify, Sam... Was gunned down in his basement while under police protection. I know. So, what? My mouth is wide open. I know. I know. And this is where, like, well, Kennedy, there's this, it's so crazy. There, I have to look more into this. So, he was, yeah, under, he was under police protection. Um, They think that the, like, mafia but like they, they think that there was this other guy in cuba that was part of the plot and i think that he was the one who did it so roselli was wanting to avenge his friend and he gave a testimony that was so damning to the government that they were all like oh he's obviously perjuring himself and they were trying to deport him but because it was just like yeah but before they could he was found strangled in a chained oil drum floating what? in Biscayne Bay. i know i know what so obviously if you're judith you'd be like what the you'd be freaking out yeah, because um, everyone who's testifying is ending up dead. Yeah, and so she, like, obviously watching men she had known get picked off one by one was terrifying. Roselli had sworn under oath that she had nothing to do with the assassination, or not assassination, the assassination attempt with that plot. Mm-hmm. And she she was subpoenaed, and the government was like, We'll keep you confidential. We're not going to tell anything. So she gave her testimony and then the government freaking leaked her name to the press. I know. They leaked it to the Washington Post and the New York Times published this thing that was like, JFK's lover was a mafia mole. They called her like a mole. You know, that's like a common thing in the mafia. So she called a press conference and denied any knowledge of the mafia involvement. Apparently it was kind of a disaster. And she was just like already terrified. Aren't most press conferences though kind of a disaster? They are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know yeah, and she just was blindsided. She And she'd just gotten married like a couple months before to... Well, I forget his name right now. He's down in here later, but Exner. So that's when she became Judith Exner. And uh, she was absolutely destroyed in the media. She was blamed for dismantling the utopian vision of the Kennedy White House and was accused of mocking the widow Jackie O because she looked like her. And as you can see in those pictures and I'll put them up, they look exactly like so people were like, "Oh, she's mocking the widow," which and I read in one of the articles too that Kennedy had liked her hair that color, which I think is like like if you're going to cheat on your wife, like don't make them look exactly. Exactly like your wife, you know. Mm-hmm. So the White House staffers denied her involvement, and Dave Powers, who had been Kennedy's assistant, claimed the only Campbell I he knew was chunky vegetable soup. <laughs> that's <laughs> and clever. That's ridiculous. I know. There's also chicken noodle, cream of mushroom, tomato <laughs> bisque. <laughs> like you need to branch out. Mm-hmm. Sinatra came out and said, "Hell hath no fury like a hustler with
1: a literary agent." It's like, god damn it! I know. I like this is why, even though he might have whatever voice, I cannot listen to Frank Sinatra because of what a piece of crap he is. I know. He was a Yusuf. Wine. He was.
0: Yeah. So, I, yeah. And I like my next sentence is I have so many angry thoughts. <laughs> I'm glad you feel the same way. So, she, she Judith, like the queen, she is, took meticulous notes. She kept records, including plane tickets, hotel bills, and date books. So whenever a White House staffer would be like, oh, I've never met her, she'd pull out her books, and she has their phone numbers, addresses, hotel rooms and dates, and she'd be like, oh, really? (laughs) Dude, we need that. I need to start keeping date books. That's so smart. She's so cool. I know. I know. She is really cool. So the White House call logs proved her story, and there were over 70 calls between her and the president that backed her up. A Time Magazine article called JFK and the Mobster's Mole named other women that he had perhaps been with such as Kim Novak, Marilyn Monroe, James Mansfield, and Angie Dickinson. But they were all like pretty famous. And they had like protection from like their agents and lawyers and stuff and reputations of people being like, oh, well, you know, and she was kind of no one really knew her. And then she was also linked to the mafia. So she was just left for the wolves. Yeah, yeah. Um, Liz Strong writes that Judith, quote, has been called a hustler, a call girl, the bad girl of Camelot, Mafia Mistress, Matahari, a bimbo, a Hollywood party girl go- girl, and a provocateur. Prevaricator prevaricator, which is basically someone that's like yeah, I think it's provo- not provocator, it's pre provo- pervaricator. Which is like it's someone who who like Says, I think, like, kind of scandalous stuff. But of these appellations, only the last actually seems... Only the last seems actually to apply. Mm-hmm. She, just tried to face it head on, but she was constantly being body shamed. And this is... <sighs> People are so terrible. Some people like thought that the tragedies that she had suffered were basically karma and that it was like God's justice. So she watched both her parents and her sister die of cancer. She had a mastectomy. She went through chemo. She lost a lung. She almost lost her husband to a almost terminal illness. And then she got divorced and was diagnosed as terminal.
1: And Oh my God.
0: Yeah so it doesn't matter what someone has done. No one deserves this and no one deserves the scrutiny especially after years of harassment from the federal government. Yep. And she may not have been completely innocent but let's all remember that she was young in her 20s at the time with older men and Kennedy was using her as a go-between for his dealings with the mob to try to keep his hands clean. And I was thinking about this earlier as I was floating on my unicorn floaty in the pool. I was thinking about this idea of perfection and like you know we're always thinking about perfection. I think you and I were talking about this the other night and like TV shows and movies and stuff it's like this perfect relationship and perfect that and it's like if someone isn't perfect or if someone makes a mistake you absolutely like slaughter them in the press it's like people are human humans make mistakes i'm not saying all
1: mistakes obviously people need to be held accountable but we also but if to, someone like, if someone takes accountability and they mm-hmm. truly seem to take accountability they truly yeah. seem to have learned from it let's let's move on and i yeah. get that there are people who don't and i get there are people yeah. who don't hold themselves yeah yeah but everyone yeah, like
0: JFK definitely like should have been held accountable. Oh my god, I know. So yeah, it doesn't matter. Like no one and no one deserves this. Yeah. So you know, and Kennedy was using her as a go-between too. And he knew what he was doing. And even Judith says that she feels like it's it was Kennedy's mistake to send her with those envelopes. Like yes, she knew was wrong, but it was like he was a
1: forty-five-year-old president of the United States. Like like and really yeah. and honestly, just like other like, do you really feel like you could have really said no? You know, no. was, she, was she in a position to truly say no? You know, you have to think about that.
0: No. And, you know, she describes him as being morally bankrupt and claims that both the CIA and JFK abused their power. Which That's is- amazing. I love that I know. phrase, morally bankrupt. I love it. I know, I do too. It was easy for the press to attack her as the whore of Camelot in order to preserve this pristine image of a golden boy president. It's something we see all too common, all too commonly, especially with presidents, or at least it's something we have seen in the past. All vice is placed on the mistresses who are usually much younger and are wrapped up in a sea of celebrity and power that just drips from these men who are much older and who are arguably the most powerful men in the world. Let's not make any mistake about it. These men knew what they were doing. Kennedy knew what he was doing. Yep. All right. Clinton <laughs> knew what he was doing. <laughs> yes. There, if you don't know much about Monica Lewinsky, uh, you guys should go listen to the, you're wrong about episode of Monica. Oh, Lewinsky. And you're it's wrong. So about, good.
1: No, you're wrong about yeah. a podcast. We adore you.
0: Yes, we do. We adore uh, you. It, so good and that episode is so good again like it just makes me see everything it it, like it,
1: it changed it, they have changed my opinion about so many things I know and that's kind of like I think they were one of the inspirations for this they too.
0: are they are yeah. yeah I was being like you know we we have all these women that we're seeing like even her calling being called matahari we did a matahari episode that was our first one we released and it's like matahari was not as bad as people say like people are like their ego and I'm not saying that every woman like that we do like I definitely have a woman that i'm working on that is not as innocent but that Uh, there are two sides to every story
1: and and a lot of the women we do aren't going to be even ava braun like Mm -hmm. she wasn't but it's like also one of those things where it's like it kind of i don't know it's like just telling their story makes you know it's just I I guess Ava Braun's a lot more complicated than just a lot of yes but I think it's also important to look at all the sides of the
0: story and to be like okay you know I I understand and some of the women will be like all right they were portrayed wrongly some of the women you're like yeah you you still did wrong but we also want to highlight them because we're
1: like well they they were humans even if some of them were terrible like yeah, Ava Brown, yeah, but even with Ava Brown, we were like, we found out she had like a lot of mental illness, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff, and there's, I think, a lot of like these girls being women
0: being really really young and being attracted to power and like a man and i like and all these I, all that all the sexism in the day and yeah. all that yeah we've all been 17 you know and like having been with someone who was 13 years older than me when i was in my young 20s i was with someone I know, that was
1: 18 years older than me in my early early 20s yeah like mm-hmm. we yeah we we know what it's like. It's like this, you're attracted to like, oh, this person is
0: older. They should have their stuff together. In right. Ooh, wasn't he, the case. He has a Ducati. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Mine didn't have anything. Okay. <laughs> I just I just felt like I was in an episode of Girls and I wrote it out for three years. <laughs>
1: ah, that's clever. I like um,
0: that. I, you actually told me that you felt like we were in an episode of Girls. Mm-hmm. When it, and I was like, yeah. And I did. So, oh, I also... I've been re-watching all the new Star Wars and alerts. Have you seen the last one?
1: No, don't tell have, me about it. What? You no. haven't seen it yet? It's. I'm not ready for the Skywalker saga to be over. I'm like waiting to watch it. you want to watch it together? Because Matt and I just watched, like, do you want to watch it on Skype together? It's so good. I kind of want to. Okay, let's do it. We're going to do it because
0: Matt and I have watched the first and second one. No, we watched the first and second again because he's like, I've never seen them. And I was like, yes, you have. Oh, has he never seen them? He has seen them, but he Matt's. And Matt doesn't drink. He's been sober for three years. But the first one he saw when he when he used to drink, when we were first together, we watched it like four times. And he was like, I've never seen that." I was like, yes, you have. <laughs> we watched it all the time. And he was like, oh. But um, yeah, so they, they, yeah, we should watch it together. It's so uh-huh. good. But I, all right, I won't get into it. I, I'm just saying I'm rewatching it. And I'm happier with how the third one is now that I'm rewatching them. But okay, we're going to watch it together. All right. Judith wasn't entirely without friends, and she has been defended by many in the media. New York Times columnist William Sapphire asked why they were calling Judith Exner to testify and not Frank Sinatra, who'd introduced her to everybody. He had introduced Giancana, Roselli, and Kennedy, and why the mysterious deaths of Sam and Johnny were never investigated. Uh, Frank Sinatra. Uh, Yeah, and why they were quite obviously mob, uh, like, when they were quite obviously mob hits. Columnist Liz Smith, who I've talked about her article a lot, states, It was easy for the press and for Americans to deposit a load of their blame for Jack Kennedy's behavior onto Judith. But she was young and in love with him and did pretty much whatever he asked. When I see her described as a cynical, hardened, opportunistic prostitute, I just see Brett She had lousy tastes in men, but I think she has a lot of character and is a very dear person. Mm-hmm. And if having lousy tastes in men was a crime, we are all criminal. I, We're all yeah. Criminal. You and I both would have been jail for our choices in export. <laughs> so, 1976, Judith sued the FBI to get hold of her files. All right, hold on. Okay. And Judith sued the FBI in 1976 to get hold of her files, and she won $10,000 for legal fees and damages. That isn't the judge, enough. It doesn't. No. After all, she's been through. The judge sided with her, acknowledging the fact that the government promised her confidentiality and then leaked her name, which ruined her life. And her life was already pretty hard before this, because mm-hmm. all that stuff with her trying to commit suicide, this all came before, like, 10 years before this committee. So she'd been dealing with this for a very long time
1: such a long time. And she even
0: said in one of the Vandy Fair articles that she kind of, she doesn't blame him, but she knows that Sam was the cause, the reason why she had to give her son up because she had to do it for, because the FBI was surveilling her so heavily. She doesn't blame Kennedy, you mean, not Sam? Sam. No, Sam. It was Sam because they were surveilling her because of the mafia. Oh, got it. Got not it, got because it. of yep. Kennedy. Yep, yep. And that was like the sole reason. But they did know about Kennedy and that's because they were surveilling her. And that's why J. Edgar Hoover was like, you have to stop or He was just kind of like, we know. Yeah. So she had just married Dan Exner, who is a professional golfer in 1975. And they were still newlyweds when everything went to shit in the media. They spent their honeymoon with a Doberman and a slew of guns in their house. And long after they stopped sharing a bed together, the gun and the Doberman stayed every night. I want a Doberman. Aww. <laughs> it's not surprising. Liz Strong reports on the list of people who came before Exner that had been murdered. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. ready. Do it. All do right. It. JFK and Robert Kennedy, Harvey Oswald, Sam Giancana, Johnny Roselli, Marilyn Monroe, Who's also Kennedy's lover. She died in mysterious circumstances mm-hmm. on the night she visited with Robert Kennedy. I didn't know that. What? Even Mary Meyer. So that's another one. You're counting on your fingers over there. I am. I am. <laughs> who was another of Kennedy's lovers at the same time Judith was, was murdered in 1964 near like. The boat, something near Potomac River, and Marilyn Monroe's death is still a mystery. Right before she was killed, her telephone records disappeared, and two days after Monroe's death, Judith's, tel- Judith's telephone records also went missing. What? I know. I didn't know any of this. this and crazy. I, I know. I have to look into Marilyn Monroe. I wanted to do an episode on her anyway, but I, like she's so famous that I was like, I have to find another Ask, like, angle. angle. Yeah, and I think, I think, yeah, this is it. Oh, yeah, it's it.
1: So at night, that's it. <laughs> oh wow but still that's like that's a lot yeah and knew, there was more knew, there was like all one other of,
0: person i didn't include
1: and like thanks to your episode i was like i know all those people except the last one mm-hmm. in 1988 people magazine paid
0: her fifty thousand dollars for a story where she admitted that she had committed perjury in the church committee hearings because she was quite understandably scared for her life quote i was a terminal cancer patient and I had nothing to lose she admitted to her uh hershey and a vanity fair interview I felt great relief having finally told the truth. I actually felt safe. And the article in the people magazine was actually like more focused on salacious details. Like they were asking about where is Frank Sinatra's bed and blah, 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 and not about all the stuff that we actually want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: I mean, I mean, I, I, I would be curious to like, what does his bedroom look like? Like, does Sinatra like to eat oysters before making love? Stuff like that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Does he put on his own music when making love? Oh, also, that's I hate, so narcissistic. I bet he. Does. I hate the
0: term making love. Also, too, I just I hate it with a passion. I like. I don't like
1: it, it. I like to use it sarcastically and in fun. I like to use it sarcastically. But I just, I don't, like
0: it just, it makes me gag. Oh, I love, I'm um, going to use that from now on just no, to make you cringe. It's, so, <laughs> it's like um, moist in panties where I'm like, ugh, I'm making love. It's like one of those words for me. Yeah, yeah okay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> 1988 was the 25th anniversary of JFK's assassination. And it's when the rest of Camelot was cemented as a myth rather than a fact. The truth was coming out about Vietnam, the Bay of Pigs, the CIA mafia plots, JFK's womanizing, and suddenly everyone wanted to interview her again once the truth started to come out and Americans realized she'd actually been right. The press had tried to paint her as an unreliable witness, <sighs> citing her instability, paranoia, and depression, which again, I wonder why? let's be clear, mental health does not discredit you. And it's easy to say, especially when someone is suffering from mental health as a result of trauma, that they are not in their right mind. If she was paranoid, it was because the FBI spent years harassing her to the point of suicide and then leaked her name to the press, which brought her an onslaught of scrutiny that attempted to break her down as a human being and take the brunt of the fall of an empire. If she was depressed, it was because she watched person after person she loved die on top of relationships that consumed her life who left her empty and alone. Mental health should never negate someone's story unless in extreme circumstances. It was easier to paint her as a hustler, a scammer, a paranoid liar than to accept that these men who had been put on pedestals were not the chivalrous leaders we wanted them to be. It was an unspoken rule at this time not to talk about the, the fact that these men were obviously having affairs and if they
1: came out, It must have obviously been the woman's fault. Boom. (laughs) Boom. I 100%. And I feel like that applies to so many stories that we have and are going to research. I know. And I also put in because I just recently
0: rewatched this. It's my favorite SNL skit. Have you seen the one that's called Welcome to Hell? (laughs) Yeah. Uh Yeah. It's so good. But they were like, we're finding out that all these men are habitual predators. And they're like, well, yeah, welcome. They're like, this been the damn world. Like, we all know. We've been here for years. Welcome. Come (laughs) join us in here. (laughs) So good. They're like, this isn't a girl group. We just travel to pack for safety.
1: (laughs) Right? Oh, I love that. It makes me feel so seen. (laughs) Right? I agree.
0: Yeah. And so in April of 1990, Judah's story gets better. She was living in a
1: large house in California with a bunch of cats and a bunch of plants. I know. I'm like, that's that's no, a dream, and and also you know my love of like kind of I want I don't want to say like I guess kind of crumbling older socialites like I love that like I named my daughters I named my daughter after Edie from Great Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> It's like They're little Edith Wharton. No, Edith Wharton's just another cool person. No, no. I, I, w- the name Edie first came to me from watching Grey Gardens because I was like obsessed with Grey Gardens when I was young. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, so good! You got to watch the original. They, there's like one that they do um, as a reenactment, and I believe it's with Drew Barrymore and I want to say Jessica Lange, but the original oh, is good. it's so good, and it also ties in because they're Jackie O's cousins. Oh, ooh, okay.
0: I have so I like feel like every time we record an episode, I have like ten new shows I have to watch. Okay, so her story's about to get better. She's living with cats and plants. Her brother oh. receives a call from a man who says he might be her son, and <gasps> they've been. Yeah. I so we about the sun! I know! The sun comes back. So, like, a lot of people have been calling in being like, or going to tabloids and being like, I'm JFK's love child. And, like, I'm the child of Mob Liaison, Liaison Judith Exner. And I even read a Vanity Fair article. I didn't get into it because it was, like, it didn't relate to this, but it... I mean, it kind of does. But they were saying that this guy came out and was like, to Vanity Fair, like, I'm JFK's son. And I didn't read the whole article. I will at some point, but it definitely her son that she had was not JFK's son. It was 18 months after the last time they'd slept together. Yep, so yep. there's yeah. So yeah. So this guy wasn't like that. He didn't want any of that. And actually like he called and was like, I, I don't, he was really nervous to call. Cause he was like, I don't want you guys to think that I'm just here for the press. So this is David uh david borer borer he was the same age as her son he was 24 um he had the same birthday he was born at the rice hospital and he knew about the birthmark that her son had had every night Aww. since she had given him up she'd fallen asleep looking at the picture of him that had been taken at the hospital i know that just in my heart so. I know, I know. Ugh. And she honestly, like, he had a really good life. Like, I mean, I think he's so alive, but he had amazing parents. He grew up really happy. He was like going to, I think, maybe UC Berkeley or something like a really good school. He was working for the LA Times as a photographer at twenty-four. What? Like,
1: I know, it's got his crap together. And he did, and he was like had a socialism degree sociology
0: socialism not socialism
1: okay so he's like an amazing progressive as well as yeah
0: yeah. maybe a socialist i don't know so she knew she made the right decision but she missed him terribly of course and she wanted to know he was okay david has spent his whole life wondering who she was and he finally went to the adoption agency they couldn't really give him much information you know they could tell her like oh she was middle class or and she came from the area this stuff and he spent a whole year after he talked to the guy, like the guy at the adoption agency had called him a bunch of times. And he was like, I think he felt really guilty because his parents were loved- so good and he
1: didn't want to. Yeah, yeah it, I it mean, it's a bit like you still want to know where you're from.
0: He yeah, but he was he was like he didn't know if he wanted to know. So he finally called and they were like, well, this is all we can tell you. But they put him in touch with an adoption detective mm-hmm. and so they found this lady found out accidentally and left him a message being like hey i i kind of like accidentally ran on your mom and if you want to know like it's pretty it's a pretty urgent matter because she was already terminal at this point um so yeah but this is in 1990 she didn't die till 1999 oh so, good. so they had yeah. years together they did yeah so when he found out her name he didn't know much about her so he met with the person it was in some fast food restaurant and they were like oh well I found out your mom she's famous and he was like oh god so they like they there was like Judith Exner she like slid the paper across the the way to him and he didn't know who she was yeah and so they're like oh well, let me tell you and then he like told his dad and his dad was like oh my god Your mom is... Yeah, what? I know. Can you imagine? So, he and his friend did this, like, amateur sleuthing. They went to the library. They found out where she was. They, like, tracked down her brother. And he, like, remember all this, like, terrible stuff. He was looking, finding out all this information about her. And he found out that she had tried to kill herself while she was pregnant with him. He, like, found that out before he'd even met her. So, it was, like, really hard. And he just, but he still wanted to meet her. He he really wanted to let her know that she was okay. He So, he called her. They talked. And before long, he was, like, making the trips down to see her. So, he'd go down to see her every two weeks Aww. and this is in 1990 that this article came out i didn't really see much in the 1998 article i read mm. through because I, I was skimming through it for quotes and stuff from her and i don't think it really mentioned her son but this whole the 1990 article was like mostly about her son Aww. uh so he found her then and so they had like nine years to know each other. And he was really thankful that she made that choice because he had a really good life and, you know, a loving relationship with his parents. He was going to school. He was really happy in his life. And he just, he wanted her to know that she was okay. Sounds like a good, good person. I know. So, Mm -hmm. and she, yeah. So that's, that's the happy ending. Oh, I know. So the press is more than happy to paint Judith as a vindictive femme fatale who has single-handedly corrupted the Kennedy White House and brought down a utopian empire out of spite, lust, and greed. When Vanity Fair asked Judith about what was going through her mind, I was just living my life, she said. It seemed so normal to me.
1: Wow. And <laughs> that was so good. That taught me so much. Hey,
0: I know. I, I was so excited for this one. I... Was having struggling with it and then I found these Vanity Fair articles and was so interesting and I just got so excited and I think she's like one of the favorite ones I've ever done.
1: Yeah, and it's just it's also like a ton of pop culture references like make sense Mm -hmm. to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. And it's like it's kind of like that's how you know you're getting smarter is when you start getting like every family guy reference, (laughs) you know, No, totally. I know. I I haven't watched Family Guy in a really long time. My husband still like watches the old ones a lot.
0: <laughs> they are really good. I I have to tell you real quick. I know we're about to do our Happy Harlots, but I had the weirdest weirdest moment when I was like in junior. I was a junior in college, and my boyfriend at the time was like taking a semester off, and he lived in Arizona. So. Right before I went down to go see him, we had watched this. What's that show? Uh, Twilight was it? Twilight Zone? Yeah, mm-hmm. Twilight Zone. Yeah, and it's the one I you, you might have seen this. I know you've watched that show. So it's like it's an. This guy loves books, and like a nuclear bomb goes off. <gasps> yeah, yes. and yeah. And he goes, he goes, and like he's so excited to go to the library, and then he steps on his glasses, and he can't read any of the book. Oh, it's it's terrible. It literally, I don't like talking about. It. So I watched that, and like I think it was my like BritLit class on the thursday or something and the next day i went down to go visit my boyfriend in arizona and like that night that weekend i don't know it's a couple days later we were all really high and we were watching family guy and family guy did a like spoof off that exact episode oh don't you love when that happens and i was just
1: like i know but i was really high so i was like what are you watching me do. right yeah who is watching me it was so weird all right oh that no that's a good story i love stories like that i do it was really really weird okay it's like happy chill. harlot yeah it does give you a you go no first. you go first oh, okay uh happy harlot my son who is two and three months four months he went poop in the toilet for the first time and oh i'm training and that's a really big deal because he's been peeing just fine but like on my birthday i had to scrub poop off my carpet and it was just like the worst day ever <laughs> i i can change poop till the cows come home in diapers but the minute it's out of that diaper i just can't deal on your carpet yeah because then it's stuck mm-hmm So I like had to hardcore clean it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So my son, when we talked on your birthday and you were like, I have
0: been cleaning up poop all day. I don't want to talk about it. I'll tell you later. I'm too traumatized.
1: That's a huge deal. It was in the toilet. And you know, if anyone knows potty training, a kid, it's like really, truly like the first socialized thing that you teach a kid because it's not biological that we poop in a toilet it's uh-uh. societal so yeah so but still still I'm just proud that he does it because you know what that means I'm one step closer to not having to like wipe I, I'll have to still wipe him but not but
0: yeah now you only have one kid to change diapers instead of two <laughs>
1: right <laughs> You're so big that's a big deal I know <laughs>
0: congratulations thank you that's a really good moment mine I guess so mine I think I talked about it earlier but we so today's my birthday so we just we went down we've been kind of like holed up in our house for the summer because we don't want to see people <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people are in the same right, situation as right but well, we I think we actually decided today we're not going to go down to the to the creek anymore because we both got we were both down there and we saw this huge hawk flying above us and then a butterfly flew right into matt's face and this hawk was circling and this giant butterfly this giant butterfly flew into his face and we we're like it's a sign we have to go <laughs> and we're always i'm always wondering like there's always like trash and stuff down there but i never see anyone down there mm-hmm. and it's just like it's kind of i don't know it just feels sketchy and i'd rather not die. always follow your gut oh yes yeah. i had these gut thoughts of like And then Matt Matt was like, hey, I think we should go back. Because he was like, I'm having gut feelings that someone's watching us. I feel eyes on me. And I was like, I felt the same thing. We jumped in our our floaties. We're like, let's get the hell out of (laughs) here. (laughs) <laughs> anyway but we before that it was really fun we we like took our floaties down and then we came back and we've been kind of avoiding the pool because people have like huge pool parties and stuff and we don't want to be around people but we came back and no one was there because they were cleaning <gasps> the pool you know and it was like one and that never happened so like the last two t- like over the weekend there was like maybe 50 people at the pool everyone was making out with each other everyone was like i was like you guys Right, we are in a pandemic. But anyway, we went to the pool and I floated, and I had a truly at the pool, and I just like sat. They have those like chairs at the pool where you can like sit on the like really shallow end and be submerged. Oh, the I love those. Those are so good. I know when you have to come visit when you're allowed to. I know, but yeah, and so yeah, it was just nice. I was outside. my My nose is really red. I could see it in our video feed, (laughs) but, and I think I got a little tan. Woo. Maybe. I don't know. I I looked really tan in the shower. So anyway, it was, it was a nice warm. So
1: nice. Yeah, it was nice. Oh, all right. Well, thank you for joining in. And yeah, thanks for listening. And we are here taking back the word harlot. One episode at a time. Bye. Be a harlot. (laughs) Wait, be a harlot. (laughs) Not a what? Peter. (gasps) say it again okay be a harlot not a hater bye bye
0: thanks so much for tuning in guys our music is by Lloyd Rogers and our cover art and our editing is by us if you enjoyed listening we would be tickled if you left us a five star review on Apple Podcasts you can always email us at harlotsofhistorypodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to get back to you with something witty snarky or boring We are also on Instagram and Twitter as Harlots of History. We love you all, even the haters. Bye!